I've been doing this 20 years, never even been bit. Searching for the unusual, the obscure, the forgotten treasures hidden deep within streaming media. This is the Deep Dive Podcast. Plane in the sun! Get below! Lookouts, get below! Dive the boat! Dive the boat! Take it down 150 feet, steer course 090. Continue to dive. Hey, you cool cats and kittens. Welcome <laughs> to the Deep Dive Podcast, a never-ending quest to find the best and sometimes worst content hiding in your streaming media libraries. I'm Tom Feeney, writer for Wang's Shop Movie Magazine, available on Amazon.com. I am sitting alone here in Studio D, where the D stands for decontamination, uh, <laughs> with me via expensive remote satellite link-up from an undisclosed location deep in the heart of New Hampshire is my socially distant co-host, the Mandalorian. That's right. That's me. I had a really hard time not cracking up at that intro song. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That's uh. I saw a tiger. Yeah, yep. that's not even that's not even him singing it. <laughs> I know. Oh, so disappointing. Among other things, but yeah. Anyways, it's me, Manda, the Mandalorian. As Tom said, I am not there in the studio because, uh, yeah, I'm in my own little bubble. Gotta stay safe. Aren't and we all? I think, yeah, I think the last time we recorded was what a month ago, maybe. Uh, yeah, it was a few. It's been a few weeks at least, and then mm -hmm. uh, and then something happened to you. Uh, yeah. So you wanna you wanna share that with everybody? Yeah. So I ended up getting really really sick, uh, and you know I had all the symptoms: the fever, chills, achy body. You know, so painful, couldn't get up, uh, sweat, fevers, and all that. And by the second day, when I went to the emergency uh, sort of not clinic, but like the, the area they have set up, this little tent area, they said, hey, you know, all your symptoms are concurrent with COVID. You've got a severe chest infection, but we don't have any tests. And yeah. if you go to the ER right now, you're probably going to infect people or get something worse. So go home, quarantine for 14 days, and don't talk to anybody. <laughs> so that's what I did. I stayed in my bedroom um, for, it was 13 days before I came out, just going out, you know, to use the normal toiletries and whatnot. But yeah, I had to FaceTime my husband to get me stuff. Um, he brought my meals to the door. I had to open it and then oh, shut it again. It was, it was kind of like a prison cell. And I got to tell you, it wreaked havoc on my uh, state of mental health. It, I can it's imagine. Not, it's, yeah, it was tough, but I'm feeling much, much better now. And uh, uh, no longer have a chest infection. I can breathe, which is good. <laughs> Thank God. But yeah, it was it was some scary stuff, man. So you had your own personal mandemic. Oh, yeah. But that, um, that was a good one. Trademark copyright. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm glad I'm glad you're uh, all doing okay. Uh, where you are, hold up. Um, we're here in Massachusetts. We're we're all fine. Uh, the family's fine. Uh, the cat we were worried about a little bit, but uh, pumpkin's okay. Um, oh, good, good. Yeah, he was. He's, but he was having some uh, intestinal stuff. But um, you know, he Aww. seems to be. He seems to be doing all right. Uh, the problem is, and you know, 
is that now his his vet yeah. his veterinarian uh, they're yeah. on, they're only taking like urgent care cases for pets right right and pumpkin seriously needs a grooming badly. Yeah, he's super hairy. <laughs> he is he is the shaggiest cat ever. Uh and so we have to now wait until next month to get him properly uh shaved down. Um so he's going to get his lion cut, which ties into today's topic, which is nice. Uh, <laughs> my cats uh my cats are doing good except they're super pissed off we're home all the time. I know it's like we're intruding. <laughs> it's like, "Excuse me, you get to live here, all right? Don't uh, don't get salty Freak. with me." Wow. <laughs> So. Yeah, so it's it's been a time, but you know, if everyone kind of follows what they're saying, do all the rules, I think that we'll make it out on the uh, positive end of this. But that is why today uh, our podcast is being brought to you by the magical wonders of the internet um, and and some other tools, including AirPods. Hashtag thank you Apple. Yes. But, uh, yeah. How's how's the audio by the way? Do I sound clear? It's pretty good, actually. It's uh, yeah, it's actually not too bad. Um, oh, you know, good. so we're 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 picking you up loud and clear. Uh, which okay. is good, and uh, I think it's you know I it's not ideal <laughs> by mm -hmm. any stretch of the imagination, but it's what we have. <laughs> it's what we have to do. It's the new normal. It is the new normal. I am so sick of hearing that. Yeah, <sighs> it, I know, right? I know, and everybody's now everybody's supposed to wear masks now. Um, yeah, I heard that, and all this like hyperbole that goes around. It's like, what is actually the truth? But I think you can really only find that out through the CDC.gov. That's yeah. where I've been getting my information. Yeah, but the, the way I see it, uh, you know, it's better. I think any extra layer of protection is okay. It's yeah. not going to hurt anything, and it can only help. So, uh, you yeah. know, we were. I mean, I'm going to fire up my sewing machine and start making my own mask. See, there you go. There you go. That's a it's, yeah. a, it's a cottage industry right now is making those masks. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, uh, it's funny because just as this whole thing was ramping up, uh, I found um, the the kind of like not like the surgical mask, but kind of like the regular kind of like over the ear kind of you know standard like mask. The dentist office one. Yeah, those kinds. Uh, found some at a dollar store, uh, so oh, I nice. bought I bought a couple of boxes, and you know because I got them at the dollar store, I know they're good quality. Um, <laughs> you know, I didn't want to go to get those fancy five below masks. Uh, oh you know, no no no. <clears throat> So, uh, you know, so I've been, we've been wearing those when we go out, um, yep. just to be, you know, just that little extra level there protection, just, you know, just to see, and gloves too. We got gloves and yeah, we were yeah. out shopping earlier today and, you know, there's lines to get in. People are like separating the six feet apart and, you mm -hmm. know, the grocery store, they have like those, they have tape lines where you can't go past until it's your turn to check out. Uh, things it makes like that. kind of a precarious situation because you have to basically back up into the aisles. Yeah. And there was someone directing traffic. We actually drove right by you. You were at the grocery store. That oh, that's you right. Didn't want to wait at. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it, it's it's been a bit of an adjustment, I think, for everybody. Some for some mm -hmm. worse than others, of course. You know, I think for um, I think it's always important to keep in mind. You know, uh, there's uh, however inconvenienced you may be. Uh, it is a lot worse for many, many other people, and it's important mm -hmm. to keep that kind of perspective. Uh, it's some, yeah. Sometimes it can be difficult when you're self-isolating and you're just overwhelmed by the news and you feel like everything is closing in on you. Uh, mm -hmm. It can be difficult to kind of say to yourself, well, you know, at least I'm home. At least I'm healthy. Uh, you know, yeah, things exactly. like that. So. 
and you know because a lot of people are really having a tough time both financially and emotionally and and even of course if mm -hmm. they were sick physically so you know i just think it's important that to you know keep the important stuff at the front of your mind so exactly i heard this thing going around and instead of saying stay at home you say safe at home yes because you are much safer at home so that's what I'm, we're trying to keep that in mind i mean we only went out today because you know we needed groceries and nowhere is delivering groceries anymore like you know um there's a service called peapod yeah and we've used them once or twice and you know usually you'd book the day before and they come the next day at your designated time they're booked out for literally two months they're wow. just it, it's crazy I had no idea. and by that point i'm just like you know what i'll get takeout <laughs> yeah so we're, we're living on takeout and what groceries we have and uh, it's just important to make sure you take care of yourself too, like health wise, like eat good food, cook what you can, drink lots of water, lots of fluids. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, that's how we all pulled out of it, you know? And, and of course, you know, takeout, it's a good way to support your local restaurants. Totally. Uh, yeah. Because they're hurting more than a lot of different businesses are, uh, because you know, mm -hmm. their employees are really dependent on tips and everything like that. Uh, so, you know, do your best to support your, your local restaurants when they're doing takeout. Um, you know, I'm doing my best and, you know, I've got, I'm, I'm fighting the, uh, the quarantine 15, which is like, you know, you put on 15 pounds <laughs> during this whole thing. So, you know, that's, uh, yeah. Right. Well, I haven't worn any of my work clothes in about four weeks. I've been in pajamas pretty much every day, which some say is not a good idea, but I'm actually afraid to put my regular jeans on. <laughs> they might not fit. Yeah. That's the thing. You know, uh, that's, a. Everybody, I think once this whole thing is pretty much done and over with, uh, you know, I think businesses are, people are going to want to get out. People are going to want to go shopping. Oh, yeah. They're going to want to, so I think we're going to see a huge rush of, of people going to stores and things like that, which is good. And hopefully they will be able to reopen and, right. uh, you know, do so fairly quickly once they're able to. Uh, we just, you know, I think we all need to kind of just, uh, you know, hold our breath a little bit and... Once this is all done, we can hopefully go back to some semblance of normalcy. I don't know what that's going to look like, but, you know, we we'll will see. see. when we see. Absolutely. So now as with, um, you know, everybody these days is now uh, stuck at home. So there's a lot of binge watching going on. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. HBO has opened up uh, hundreds and hundreds of hours of programming for free uh, so yep, people can watch. Um, a lot of... Mm -hmm. um, a lot of subscription streaming services are now offering 30-day free trials, which is mm -hmm. nice. Uh, so, you know, you can check those out if you're looking for uh, some good options. I think that's a great thing that they're doing, allowing those extended trial periods uh, to give mm -hmm. people, uh, you know, a better, uh, more options as far as watching stuff. But, you know, as I said before, we really do have to keep uh, the, the important things uh, in perspective. And I think one of the most important things that has come out of this, uh, this whole quarantine Corona business is, um, is the Tiger King. <laughs> this worldwide phenomenon. That's right. Obsession. That's right. The Tiger King. And once again, I'm going to, there we go. Sorry that I, uh, I, I spoke over your little plug there. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. I'm going to play this sound effect so many times. It's going to make people, <laughs> hate us so you know I, I every just, time the word cat <laughs> they, there you did it see look at that it automatically triggered uh oh, yeah. yeah speaking of triggered wow uh the tiger uh, king yeah 
has really become this bizarre phenomenon. Uh, mm-hmm. Everybody's talking about this. I think it's, you know, basically because it's an escape from the real world. Uh, and it is yeah. so crazy pants. It's hard to believe that any of it is real. It's surreal. It's so nuts that this stuff is happening in our very own backyard. Uh, you know, on one hand, I don't necessarily want to give this guy any more publicity than he already you know, has. I don't think that's possible. You can't help. Exactly. You just can't help but talk about it because it is at the forefront of everyone's minds right now. I think you and I were talking about it. I watched episode one. And I was like, all right, this is kind of weird but interesting. And then episode two hits and I'm hooked. I literally binged it in a day. I just couldn't stop watching it because it was like, is this stuff really happening? Am I crazy? Am I nuts right now? Or is this real life? And let me tell you, it was real life. Yeah. Yeah. And, and literally everybody, everybody in this documentary series is damaged in some way. Uh, yeah, you know, even the cats. And yeah. That's the saddest part. That is the saddest part, you know, and, and you don't, there's very few, you can't stop watching it, but there's really very few likable characters yep. or people yep. in here. Almost everybody's got some kind of weird quirk or uh, affectation or something like that to just, you're like, Ooh, I would not want to hang out with any of these people. Yeah. I don't think I would want to. Um, there are a couple of the, the zoo workers that really come off as like, all right, maybe they're just a product of their environment. Um, one of them is Eric. I think he's a lead uh, keeper. And, you know, by the end of it, I actually felt quite bad for him. Um, but he seemed like he was a very open and honest since the beginning. And one thing that's very clear, I think, from the beginning is that uh, there's a lot of things going on besides just cats. And it, a lot of it has to do with drugs. Drugs, oh, guns, yeah. and um, a lot of these people, it's quite sad, but they come in at a deficit. You know, they may be addicted to something or they may need help financially with something. They get hooked up with this guy, both figuratively and literally um and then they're stuck you know so it becomes a way of life i mean once you do something start routine for so long i imagine it becomes just second nature you know so it, but it, i felt kind of bad for that dude but every other person just i wanted to ask them like are you serious yeah <laughs> is this what you really truly think yeah. Now, uh, before we get too deep into this, um, let's just go yeah. over. So basically what we're discussing, this is a Netflix documentary miniseries. Uh, officially, yeah. it's titled Tiger King, Murder, Mayhem, and Madness. And essentially, it's about big cat collectors. Uh, mm-hmm. Primarily, we're talking about uh, a, a man called, who is, his real name is Joseph Maldolano Passage, but he calls himself Joe Exotic, uh, you mm-hmm. know, and that's like, you know, somebody calling themselves Joe Plummer or, you know, uh, yeah. uh, Joe Fishmonger hey. or something He's like that, you know. I think he calls himself a gun-toting, mullet-wearing, gay Oklahoma madman or something like that. Yeah, that about says and it, it all. Like, yeah, I'm like, okay, well, all right, now I know what I'm in for, but you don't. <laughs> you just don't. Not at all. Not at all. And the focus, pretty much the main focus of this uh, little documentary series is the feud between Joe Exotic and the owner of Big Cat Rescue, Carol Baskin. Oh, Carol Baskin. The weather's bad. Blame Carol Baskin. Oh, I have a pain in my foot. It must have been Carol Baskin. Yeah. That you know. guy. 
I think maybe there was one point between them where they may have had, you know, some difference of opinion, but it it got to the farthest I think it can get. <laughs> oh my god, there's that there there is a scene where uh, he's doing a another one of his music videos where he hired a Carol Baskin lookalike who's feeding body <laughs> yeah. parts to a tiger. So, and the reason for this, once again, if you have not oh. seen this and why in God's name, haven't you? Um, so there are some people that believe that Carol Baskin, owner of Big Cat Rescue, uh, had something to do with the disappearance of her first husband. Uh, who's never been located, no body has ever been found. But the rumor that people like to talk about is that she uh, had him or she had him killed or killed him and fed him to her tigers. Now, that just to me seems like a wild, wild thing. And I think that it, people would have naturally, not even naturally, but come to that conclusion because she's surrounded by big cats. Yes, but that you know, at, when you first hear this accusation, you're kind of like, "Oh, that's silly, that's ridiculous." But the more you kind of get into Carol Baskin's mindset and her world, she mm -hmm. comes off as a little bit or a lot, you know, off, creepy, yeah, and sort of like kind of conniving, and it's and really kind of weird. It is kind of weird. And, and you know, you got to wonder because you're watching a documentary, how much of it is in the editing? How much of it is, you know, how much are they trying to push that a little bit? Yeah, yeah because, you yeah. know, and and the, you know, the, the one thing you, you, you think about is, okay, probably the husband, he may have sort of faked his own disappearance mm -hmm. or whatever. And, you know, because they were talking, he talked about going to Costa Rica and all that. Mm -hmm. So that to me seems far more likely yeah, to have agreed. happened, but who knows? You don't really, there's no closure on any of that. And I think the, the thing to note here is that in the very first episode, you're introduced to these sort of main players of the game um, and they're opposite spectrum, supposedly. So the first episode makes you think, all right, we've got Carol Baskin on this side. She's an activist, uh, an enthusiast, but also a rescuer, a humane sanctuary. Then you've got um, Joe Exotic, who literally is surrounded by 220-something cats because he breeds them and then just keeps them as pets, um, who's making money off what would seem as the unfair treatment of animals. You know, and breeding, yeah. Taking cubs from their mothers. Exactly. Taking cubs from their moms, crossbreeding to get tigons or ligers and all that kind of thing. And then in the middle... You're introduced to a couple of other uh, animal collectors, as it were. Doc Antle oh, from boy. the Myrtle Beach Safari. Now, the first episode would make you think that he's kind of like, all right, well, you know, he's got a well-together, put-together zoo. He seems to know what he's talking about, big yoga guru, whatever. And then, oh, man, it takes a turn for the worst. I really believe the second episode is where everything kind of gets thrown to the wind. But I will say, before we go any further, I've actually met Doc Antle. Really? And yes, because I, as you know, am a, uh, <laughs> I'm a little bit of a weird one, but I love Renaissance fairs. And I've been going to this one in um, Southern Massachusetts for the last maybe 10 or 15 years. And traditional, I think, fair stuff there is to have some sort of animal or big cat show, as it were. Uh -huh. For a very long time, Myrtle Breach Safari were the, um, like the, the company that came and put on this quote unquote educational big cat show. 
So um, about three years ago, they stopped showing up. And then another, you know, uh, company came in. Now, I never necessarily felt right watching it because, again, I don't think that we should be in contact with these giant animals. Right, but right. It made me it made me wonder, like, I wonder why they're no longer doing it. Um, and there's very little research on it, but I think it has a lot to do with his practices because starting a couple years ago, he actually came under a lot of, lot of um, critics and criticism for some of his practices, which we can get into. But basically, he you, you think that he's the mediocre one, but I, I just I don't think there is a perfect cat person in this, this web series or this, no. this documented series. No, and it's it, just a shame. It is. And, you know, it's, you know, Doc Antle, you know, he, the thing about him is he seems to. He's not a doctor. <laughs> no, he's, well, that, you know, but he's also <laughs> seems to, you know, treat his female employees much like he treats his cats. You know, they're yeah, kind of it like. It's a bit uncomfortable. It, it's, it's creepy is what it is. Yeah. It's really creepy. It's almost like he, you know, and, and it's. It's weird because on on the Doc Antle side of it, it's almost like a cult. Yeah, yeah. I think they refer to it as like a, a harem or a harem um, full of wives. Uh, and there's one person I think they interviewed too that, that gave a firsthand perspective of what it was like to work slash live there. And from what she said, it was not good conditions. I mean, living in uh, horse stalls with cockroaches and having being forced to, to get breast implants so your image looks the right way and it's just, yeah, it doesn't seem like a fun place. And he also processed off the exact same thing that Joe Exotic does or did, but he did it in a manner that made it seem more, I don't know what the word would be, but more upscale, more mature, you know? Like, right. oh, we're actually protecting these animals. Yeah. And you can still touch and pet a brand new cob and take a picture with it and flash in its eyes. And, yeah. Yeah. So while Doc Antle's whole thing kind of smacks is almost like some sort of cult like. Uh, thing Joe Exotics is more like a, a like an extended trailer park, you know. No, <laughs> yeah. uh, seriously, this is you know. I mean, uh, I think I could count the uh, you know the the number of actual teeth I saw on like two on like you know, like two hands, um, like total. Yeah, there's yeah, a you I, know there's a lot of meth yeah. going on. One there. of his husbands. That's the thing too. I mean, I think one of the one of the cops because they interviewed a sheriff too, a sheriff from the local area. Didn't he call it like meth mouth? Yeah, meth mouth. Or something. Yeah. Yeah. That just, I couldn't help but laugh, but I was like, wow, it actually has a name. But on the, on the one hand, this is where I think the documentary definitely took a turn for sensationalism. Yeah. Um, because here's this scruffy guy, really bad tattoos, no teeth or missing teeth, and has an accent. Like, we're going to portray him as the hillbilly hick that we think he is kind of thing. Um. So far, I've also seen uh, interviews with that guy, his first, uh, quote, husband. Uh, he has new dental work. He's got new teeth now. Actually dating a woman or married a woman, had a child. Like, yeah, not that anything's wrong with it, but I think it's very obvious, uh, especially as, as the further you go in this series, um, that he may not have actually been gay. No, I don't <laughs> think. No, none of his hus- none of Joe Exotic's husbands were gay. They were all they were all straight. Like, yeah. And it's really quite sad because it makes you think either Joe's doing this for power or he's lonely. Oh, it's a, you know? it's, and it's both probably. I mean, to manipulate someone into questioning their sexual identity just so you don't have to be alone and, you know, feeding them constantly with mess and money. And I mean, he, John even says, his first time he even says, he bought me like five trucks. He bought me guns. 
there was drugs whenever I wanted it. And it, it makes you think, well, where's all that money coming from? Yeah. You know, and it's, he, he wasn't paying his workers. Yeah. But, and, yeah. It, and it all starts. It Actually, the whole thing begins and ends with the cats because yeah. that's the lure right there. Or you get to hang out with lions and tigers and all that. And that's kind of where the initial lure comes in. And then all the other stuff that comes along with it, it's, it's you know, I'll take care of you. Uh, you get to live in this place with all these animals and all that. And then it just like becomes this trap and you're stuck. You know, I think I should make it a point in case people um, are not aware. Me personally, I'm the type of person that feels really guilty at the idea of going to a zoo. I don't like the idea of seeing animals in cages. It just makes me feel very uncomfortable. It makes me feel guilty. So I typically avoid them. Um, I typically don't go to aquariums, although I definitely prefer an aquarium over, over a zoo. Um, but it's one of those things where, like, I had a very difficult time watching this strictly because I knew there was going to be some form of abuse to these animals. Right. Um, I, I could not have imagined how bad it could get, though. Uh, at one point, I think they discussed um, like how he actually fed the cats is a Joe Exotic, by the way, getting like truckloads of expired <laughs> sausages and from Walmart, and like from Walmart. Like you just see these awesome Meyer packages falling out of this, like, yes. Truck. And he's like, yeah, that's what we're going to feed them. And then at one point he opens up a pizza restaurant on the, the park. Oh, that's uh, right. You know, land. <laughs> and they're like, here, this is the best meaty pizza you're ever going to have. And people are like, Hey, was that meat from Walmart? Yeah. Was, it 100% was. <laughs> and, and, the, and a lot of his employees would take from that pile as well for themselves. I mean, that's kind of sad. You don't feed your employees enough that they have to salvage whatever food they can get. I mean, that's just well, you saw, no way to live. Uh, we saw what kind of living conditions they had. It was awful. Uh, it was so – it made me think that the, even though the cats are the main focus of this film, it seems like they may have even had a better enclosure than these people were living in. It's, it almost seems that way. I mean, it, everybody in their own way is in some kind of cage. Yeah, And exactly. now Joe Exotic is literally in a cage because he's literally. in jail <laughs> for honestly hiring someone to kill Carol Baskin. I think part of his this sort of sad phenomenon with him, too, is that – on one hand, I think Carol Baskin just wanted him to stop. She's like, you know what? No more. This is ridiculous. But then Joe just kept provoking her. And I think on some level, he made her out to be a bigger threat than she might have been to him in, in the first place. And so it gets to the point where he says, hey, I want her gone. Here's 3000 bucks. Go to Florida and do it. And or supposedly. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's like. At what point does the mind stray so far from reality that they that they need to pay someone to end another human's life? It's right. It's just – it's unfathomable. But it's one thing. It's – you know, that Joe Exotic genuinely believes that Carol Baskin is doing the same thing he's doing. But, yeah. but has got it cloaked in some kind of conservationist uh, propaganda. And sometimes as you're watching this, you're like, maybe he's not too far off the mark from that. Exactly. And that's kind of the thing where it takes a turn. You're like, wait a minute, maybe she isn't the hero of this whole tale. Yeah, exactly. They're both, you know, they're both doing essentially the same thing. But at the at the very least, Joe Exotic was was honest about what he was doing as far as trying to make money and stuff like that. So, you know, it, nobody there's no good guys here. It doesn't seem like anything. Yeah, it just. It feels kind of dirty money-ish, like laundering money either way you, you do it. You know, you're taking money from these people that want to see these animals, 
and then washing it out and, 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 you know, propagating it as some sort of conservation, like protection of the endangered species or whatever. And really, in, in the end, all of the cats are in cages. And I think the, the movies or the documentary said something about the statistics that there's like, I think, three times as many captive cats in the state, in the United States alone, yeah. than there are in the entire world. Right. And there That's are wild insane. ones. Yeah. Yeah, insane. Yeah, it's the whole thing is just really it's riveting, but it's just so icky. You know, you feel kind of like definitely icky. Icky is a good way to put it. Yeah, I don't know. Here's the thing: is that there, it it amazes me that there are people like this in the world because I I've never been you know exposed to that kind of stuff, and just to 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 know that there are people out there that are like this that do this sort of thing is just like ugh. You know, and, and but in, on the same vein, I'm kind of like I'm glad I'm so I'm glad I'm far apart from anything like this, because it just oh, yeah, it's 100%. so distasteful. And that's the thing. I mean, I think I don't even possess the mentality or the traits of such to want to possess a, a large tiger that could kill me at any minute. I I just don't think it's fair. I mean, I I know it's probably not in the same realm, but I mean, I, I visited an aquarium down in uh, Georgia, the biggest aquarium they have down there. And I saw a whale shark, like a, a ginormous yeah. whale shark. And I thought, God, that is so cool to keep it in this, sure, very large tank, but in a tank, nonetheless, all it can do is just swim around in circles. Um, so I guess it comes down to your judgment of like what you consider humane. Uh, you know, with these tigers, at least the ones from Joe Exotic's park, they didn't seem like they had, you know, like a lot of bite marks. They didn't necessarily show like a lot of animal fighting. But I mean, he, they did show some scenes where like he's performing veterinary work on an animal with clearly with no knowledge and no yeah. license and no veterinarian. <laughs> like he's just like, cool, load up some penicillin in, in a syringe. Give it to me. I'm going to I'm going to inject it in this snake bite thing. And. You know, that alone just kind of says to me, if you're not cautious enough to make sure your land is sort of protected against, again, wild animals like snakes, which could kill your tiger, then maybe you shouldn't have them. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. You know, and if you're if you're working at a place where there's, you know, dangerous animals like that and you're not trained in any way to deal with it, something bads are going to happen. Like, oh, I don't know. You're going to get your arm bit off. Like what happened to that, <laughs> uh, to that one individual who worked for Joe exotic. Yeah. Uh, Kelsey. Yeah. You know, what's not funny, but interesting is that when they first did the interview with her, I think in the very first episode, they made it a point to not show or not focus on her arm. <laughs> yeah. At least not too much. And then the second episode happens and you're like, Oh wow. She actually lost her arm. Yeah. And then a, a went back tiger. to work. 11 days later. Yeah, and she refused. She refused to have surgery that could have saved uh, her hand and forearm and said just cut it off because she had to get back to work. That just blows. I mean, there's loyalty and then there's just idiocy. Yeah. Like, to the point of like, you're a lunatic. But you know what? The <laughs> I want to say one of the funniest things that I have ever seen was in that moment, um, she's being bit or by a tiger. You see Joe Exotic come over and he's sort of, you know, walkie talkie and trying to figure out what's going on. The next moment you see him in some sort of EMS bomber jacket that he apparently had to go grab before he was on film showing, you know, giving her care or whatever. And I thought, so your priorities here are to make sure that you look like you're giving her support and that you're some sort of licensed professional. And I just thought it was hilarious. 
Um, but it's unfortunate that she lost her arm. Yes. Now, I, before I you know, before we go on, I just want to make it clear um, that uh, that the person we are uh, referring to uh, is actually uh, transgender and self identifies as male. Um, oh, forgive me. Yeah. No, no, yeah. that's fine. Uh, she, he, uh, prefers to be called Saf, not Kelsey, and was a little bit apparently unhappy with the the way that they credited uh, on the show. Um, oh, right, because they didn't necessarily refer, go out of their way to refer to him in any male pronoun. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And and you know, even I'm struggling with the pronouns at the moment because you just right, you know yeah. you don't know. But I just wanted to make sure that you know if you're listening to this, uh, you know, it is something that we're aware of. Um, right, but, and we yeah. do take our, our 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 we do try our best to be um, as appropriate yes. as we can. But yeah, he has literally a stump of an arm yes. <laughs> missing his whole hand, most of his forearm. I mean, it's just, I can't imagine. Now, some of the footage that they showed, he was on the ground and I didn't hear him make a peep. Like he wasn't crying. He wasn't screaming out in pain. I just thought to myself, what is going on here? I mean, you are, you guys are seeing this, right? <laughs> and then yeah. Joe Exotic walks into the gift shop and says, ladies and gentlemen, you know, we just had a, a, an accident. Uh, someone got their arm bit off. Just, you know, just, yeah, like well, that. well, you know, <laughs> I can give you a refund or a rain check. No big deal. Like, you know, <laughs> what? Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> this whole thing is so messed up, but you can't look away. Door. You just can't. I mean, I like I said, I binged uh, six episodes in one day. So crazy. And, you know, it plays out kind of like this um, – like detective story, who did it and who's kind of the bad guy um, before you realize at the end eventually that they're kind of all not great. But there's a guy that comes in, his name is Jeff uh, Lowe, and he comes in as yes. some sort of like savior for Joey. He's like, I got all this money. Basically what he had was an image, like an Instagram image of him driving like Escalades and on private planes and in Vegas with lots of showgirls and stuff. And in reality, he was just a con man. You know, and he yeah. ended up working his way to owning Joe Exotic's zoo and really in some fashion kind of kind of screwing him up a little bit and like throwing him under the bus for maybe something that he didn't do or that he did. I, I don't know. But know. yeah, and, he's another one of those yeah. players. You're like, mm, you're shady. And it's funny because after all, after it's all said and done and the show's over, you know, you, you might you might and not incorrectly so think that Jeff Lowe might be the worst of the lot. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there's one part where he's like, did, he said something, one of those, um, what a guilty person would do, which is ask themselves and then answer that question. Did I, you know, coerce him? Maybe. Do I call it that? No, I call it investigating. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter what you call it, man. You played him really dirty. Oh, yeah. But you know what? He's not, he's not an angel, so, you know, I can't, I can't speak for it. But one of the things that Joe Exotic is currently locked up over is animal abuse charges. Um, and there's definitely, I guess, some proof and legitimate legitimacy to the claims of where he euthanized tigers or took some pleasure in, in doing that. And, um, you know, it, it's tough because then you, you bring up this idea of like, cool, I'm breeding these cats. They're going to make me money for about six months before they get too big yep. and I can't have them play with humans. So in Joe Exotic's case, it seems like he keeps them. On the other side of that, though, the show seemed to suggest that Doc Antle actually 
like gets rid of them (laughs) like in not a friendly way as in like ends their lives because they're no longer profitable. And that to me is just so disgusting. It's, um, someone brought up, I can't remember who it was, but someone brought up this analogy of, um, basically sending these tigers into gas chambers. Now I do not want to at all. Yeah. I do not at all want to, I can't, you know, compare the Holocaust to what's going on here. But the idea that you're, you're purposefully ending a life, a living being's life, just simply because they're no longer of a use is despicable to me. Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, it's all, it's all just so sad, you know? It really is, you know? And I remember when, um, Doc Antle and his crew would come up to this Renaissance fair, um, they seemed like they were super professional at first. And then you kind of saw how they were playing around with the tigers, feeding them through baby bottles. Um, it, it just, and it's really kind of interesting is that, they would always open the show with ladies and gentlemen, please don't take any photography or videos. We're currently being filmed for a documentary that is, um, you know, under licensure or whatever it is. And you thought, okay, yeah, when is this going to come out? And it turns out, I think it was this documentary they were showing. Now, incidentally, the people who own this fair, pretty famous family, actually, um, I don't think they gave them permission to use any of the fair uh, footage, but I mean, why would they? Right. But yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy how like close I was to this dude without Jeez. actually knowing it. Yeah. Crazy, crazy, crazy stuff. Oh, the sign of the cat. <laughs> the sign oh. of the big cat means we're actually going to get to the part of the show that's actually a part of the show. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the thing that we actually do a show for. <laughs> exactly. So uh, since, you know, we um, are talking about big cats, we thought mm-hmm. why not, you know, pick... Uh, our favorite big cat movies. Sure. So uh, I'm going to go first if that's okay. Totally okay. So my pick today is the 1981 adventure movie called Roar. That's right, R-O-A-R, Roar, uh, <laughs> starring Tippi Hedren, who is best known for Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds. Uh, oh. and Yeah, and her real-life daughter, Melanie Griffith. So, no kidding. Yeah, yeah. So this movie was billed at the time as, quote, the most dangerous film ever made, end quote, with good reason, <laughs> and we'll talk about that in a sec. So Roar was kind of a family affair and kind of a labor of love for the filmmakers. It was written and directed by Noel Marshall, who was Tippi Hedren's husband. Uh, this movie actually took 11 years to complete, which seems like a long time for a movie you've never heard of. Uh, yeah. So basically the film is about conservation and the protection of big cats. It's not a documentary. It is an actual movie, a fictional movie, but it takes place on a nature preserve that has a collection of large cats. Now in the movie, the uh, caretaker of the preserve, uh, which was actually played by the director, Noel Marshall, uh, he's trying to get Mm -hmm. a grant to help fund the preserve. uh, And the grant committee comes to observe uh, the park. And so one member of the, uh, the grant committee, uh, is the stereotypical hunter type who just wants to hunt and kill the cats and doesn't think, you know, they, you know, he just wants to, to hunt them down and kill them and all that fun stuff. Um, so there's all this kind of consternation about, should they get the grant or is this worthwhile to do blah, blah, blah. Um, but at the same time, uh, the caretaker of the preserve wants to, uh, bring his family over 
um, because they've been living separately as he gets this whole thing set up. And now that he's ready to uh, open, he wants to bring his family along. So as all of this is happening, some of the big cats get loose and cause all kinds of slashy and bitey problems. Um, so that's kind of where the, the sort of the action comes in. And then, of course, the hunter type is like, well, I'll take care of this. I'll handle this you know, my way and all that. And it doesn't end well for anybody. Uh, so there you go. That's Roar. Now, <laughs> why this movie took so long to make and was so dangerous well, as you can imagine, shooting, you know, with live lions and tigers can be somewhat problematic. For oh, yeah. example, yeah, the cinematographer of this film, he was of this movie was Jan de Bont, who would later go on to direct Speed and Twister, among many others. Oh, now, I love Twister. Yeah, yeah. So Jan de Bont became one of the top uh, action directors of the 90s. Uh, now, when he was making Roar, he was scalped, literally scalped by one of the lions and required 220 stitches. Oh, my God. Yes. The director of the film nearly lost his arm after being bitten by a lion. Tippy Hendred was bitten in the head. And all in all, there were over 70 reported injuries during production. My God. Yeah, pretty much everybody got bit. a red flag. Isn't that a red flag for maybe to stop production? <laughs> you would think. But they, like I said, it took 11 years to complete, uh, apparently because everybody's waiting to heal. But, you know, the movie itself is kind of a disjointed mess, I will say that. Uh, it's supposed to be kind of a comedy, but it's not funny mm -hmm. in any way. I mean, the only really good mm -hmm. things are the, are the footage of the cats and the message of animal conservation. Um, now, the film was actually never released theatrically in the United States. And there are several right. reasons why. Yeah, you know, and, and the, apparently the distributors wanted too big a piece of the profits because the profits were meant to go to animal conservation efforts. And so they wanted too much money to distribute the films. There was also, also uh, some kind of, uh, you know, problem with most of the crew being non-union, which also prevented some, you know, distribution outlets as well. Uh, but, you know, it's an interesting project. Uh, but even more interesting, in my opinion, is is how it got made and what happened to a lot of the people that were involved in it. So that's my pick. Roar, uh, it gets about a, yeah, it gets a 6.2 out of 10 on the Internet Movie Database. And, that's surprising. Yeah, and also a surprising 74% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, <laughs> yeah, if you would like to see Roar... There we go. Uh, it is available to rent for $4.99 on iTunes. There you have it. That's my pick. Now, bonus points. Can you identify what actually cat you're using for that sound bite? That is a cougar. I was going to say, it sounds like a jaguar cougar type. Okay, it's a cougar, yeah. Right. And, and, not the, and not the kind that, uh, you know, you want to pick up at the bar. <laughs> yeah, okay. Nope. Um... So, you know, what's funny is that I, I actually followed Big Cat Rescue for many, many years before this came out. Um, and I was always very interested in it because it was a guy kind of presenting it and he was giving facts. It seemed pretty, you know, legit. Um, it's actually the first place that I found out that a puma is the same as a cougar. It's just a melanistic form. And I was like, it's not its own breed, its own species. That's crazy. But, you know, fun facts. Uh, anyways, my pick is a little bit different. 
in the fact that I chose to not showcase big cats at all. Oh, my idea. Exactly. My idea was our show was about how big cats do not make good pets. And for that matter, most wild animals are the same. You shouldn't keep wild animals as pets. <laughs> um, so I chose the 1994 comedy drama film, Andre. <laughs> with the seal uh it was directed by george t miller who if you are familiar directed uh never end of story 2 oh yes um which yeah so that he's, he's kind of famous for that but um this film uh stars tina majorino she's a pretty much a child star she didn't send anything but it also uh is narrated by annette o'toole um and it stars keith carradine um and Basically, here's here's the gist of it. He <clears throat> he is not he. I'm sorry. He, the the story is Andre is a uh, orphaned sea pup or seal pup. Uh, his mom is caught in some fishing net, and um, you know they live off this coastal region of, of Maine. So it, fishing is a big industry there. Um, but like anything at the time, the industry is dying down with the advent of technology and and, and better fishing practices and whatnot. So the seal. His mom unfortunately dies, and somehow this little girl finds what she names Andre, uh, this seal, and decides to keep it a secret from her family. It lives in the basement uh, in a tub, Ooh. and it's about her sort of like rescuing the animal and, and preparing him to eventually go back to the wild. But, you know, the friendship they, they, they form and how the family gets involved. And it is one of those classic 1990s wholesome uh, family movies. But the reason why I chose it is that it actually has a really poor rating across most of our, our, our outlets here because most people, especially animal activists, see it as a, this fanatical, uh, you know, acceptance of people owning wild animals right, right, right. and encouragement of young kids to go out on the coast of Maine and find a seal pup and then take it home. Um, it actually uh, it receives a 5.7 on IMDb. And an even worse score, 50% on Rotten Tomatoes. Ooh. So people, yeah, people weren't loving it. But um, I I never watching it as a kid and not hating it. I just, I thought it was interesting that um, we're talking about keeping animals as, as uh, large pets. But by the way, this seal grows up really fast. And eventually, you know, you have to realize that it's just not a great environment for this animal that needs hundreds and hundreds of yards to swim around and stay healthy to live in your bathtub in your basement. Um, and then it has that emotional moment too, where it pulls at your heartstrings where she lets him go. And, you know, he comes back. It's a very free Willy type of movie. I think free Willy came out before this one, if I'm not mistaken. So people already had that in their mind. Speaking of free Willy, uh, a little okay. bit of paddle, uh, backpedaling here. I've heard and I've read that Cal Baskin thought the documentary was going to be something akin to Blackfish, which if you've yes, seen that, yes. yeah, that came out a couple of years ago and it really ripped SeaWorld a new one. Oh, and yeah. all the facilities that basically keep their animals in very small pools. Um, and Free Willy, of course, was very similar to that story. I think the whale that played Free Willy, um, she was released, Keiko, was released into the wild and died very shortly after because she had been in captivity her whole life, you know, and couldn't handle it. But Anyways, I digress. Where can you watch this? You can watch this on Amazon, on DirecTV if you have subscriptions, uh, which, by the way, both of those, those outlets are making quite a bit of their content for free. Uh, you can also find it on Amazon for free and also iTunes for two ninety nine or rental. So check it out if you want to. Take it with a grain of salt. It is one, supposed to be one of those 
fantastical kid movies. Uh-huh. Um, but again, you shouldn't have pets, wild pets, no. as pets at home. Absolutely you know what I mean? not. No, that's never a good idea. No matter, yep. you know. I mean, I do understand that some some animals uh, that are raised in captivity cannot go back into the wild. They would not be able to survive. But that right, and at that point, is it humane to keep them, or is it humane to let them go out and basically not be able be compatible with the environment that they're supposed to be compatible with? Right, and there are places where those those animals can stay and live and be happy. It is not in somebody's house. No. <laughs> Kara uh, Baskin would have you believe it's at her sanctuary, but again, we don't really know. And and by the way, and for everybody listening here, um, uh, this is a PSA: um, whatever you do, don't say Carol Baskin three times in a mirror, uh, because <laughs> then she will appear and and feed you to a tiger. Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fun. Yeah, we were really excited to talk about this because yes. we've been home for so long and we've binged everything. On oh, Netflix. I know, I know. Um, I've I've watched the entirety of the Blue Blood Blue Blood series with Tom Selleck on Hulu. By the way, that mustache is still rocking. Yeah, still, I'm pretty he's sure still it's one gonna, of my favorite dudes. I'm pretty sure it's going to live a few years longer than he does. <laughs> the mustache will so. still be alive. No, so. but there's so many good things right now to, to stream on Netflix and on Hulu. It's it's sad, but it's also a really good time if you just want to watch something that, like feel good things, you know? And we need that. We really do. We do need that. We do. Or things that make you feel like, hey, my life isn't so bad because theirs is so crazy. <laughs> I mean, there's that too. Yes. Like, I'm really excited that I live in the Northeast and I don't have a pet tiger that could rip my face off. Yeah, I have a I have a, a a pet that sometimes wants to rip my face off, but you know, he's still small enough for me to overpower him, so that's good. I mean, we were talking about this earlier. Your cat Pumpkin is it? He's a big fluffy dude. He is. He and needs a shave very badly, looks- but we can't do that now. We have to wait. Exactly. He looks like he would be super ominous and like, uh, you know, like overpowering, but he's just really lazy. Yes, and he I is. love that about him. He's so adorable. But you're gonna give him a lion cut, which is. You know, I think some people might find it offensive. I think it's adorable, and it's not hurting the animal. No, fact, not at all. In fact, it probably keeps them a little bit cooler. Probably it does. better for him it for does. purposes. And he's sedated when it so. happens, so it's fine. Oh, wow. They have to he because – He doesn't like anything. Know, he – no, he's not uh, He's not a fan. Uh, <laughs> that's he, okay, though. You know, my, my two cats, they're not wild cats. They're domestic, like really spoiled and chubby cats. They've been really angry at me, and I think it's because I'm home 24-7 now. Oh, yeah. And (laughs) I'm, like, invading their private space. And for a very long time, I thought about getting one of those pet cameras. And I was like, oh, I can keep an eye on them. But then I thought, you know what? I'm around them enough already. Let them be cats. My cats are pissed off. Like, I can't even go in my bedroom when the cats are in there because they're just growling at me. Like, leave me alone, woman. This is my space between the hours of (laughs) 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Oh, boy. The things we have to put up with. <laughs> My goodness. Oh, COVID. Yeah. So, so and in fact, one of those things. yeah, th- this show, the one that we're doing right now is actually um, kind of a last minute thing that we put together um, mm-hmm. because we were like both like talking about Tiger King. We're like, we have to talk about this on the podcast. And so yeah. we, we kind of push back our regularly scheduled 
topic mm-hmm. for for this podcast in favor of the you know Tiger King related ones. So that's kind of yeah. um, that's kind of cool. So I'll tell yeah. you, here's what we yeah. So here's what we're gonna do. Um, so our next uh, podcast is gonna be the start of a two parter. Um, yeah. And so basically, what we're gonna do, part one is going to be about um, movies that come from TV shows. In other words, if it's a yeah. if it's a TV show that was turned into a movie, the next mm-hmm. part is going to be uh, the opposite of what I just said. <laughs> so it's basically movies that became TV shows. Movies, yeah, movies that became TV shows. Now, before that, though, we're going to have another episode of the of the microcast, and that's going to be kind of a a, a prequel to the two parter. Uh, which I'm going to talk about the history of made-for-TV movies. Uh, because nice. used to be the only movies that were on TV were all theatrical films until the networks decided to start making their own movies just for television. Uh, so we're going to talk a little mm-hmm. bit about that, a brief history of that. And so that'll be uh, that'll be next time. But uh, And you know yeah. what's interesting you should bring up is the fact that the, the phrase made-for-TV has such a negative connotation to it. It kind of does. It kind of does. But... Uh, and and not undeservedly so because in the early days of these they were <laughs> kind of cheap productions that didn't uh, you know that really weren't that great uh, but there were right, some right. that were outstanding and I'll give you a I'll give you a little clue as to one of the one of the early made for TV movies that was uh, actually released theatrically in some regions uh, was one of Steven Spielberg's first uh, turns as director back in the seventies. Alien? Nope, 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 nope. We're talking about a movie called Duel, which was mm. a TV movie. Basically, it was kind of like a, a pre-Jaws Jaws movie, but it was Jaws as if it were somebody uh, driving a semi-truck. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, it's basically an evil semi-truck chasing down some poor guy. So, And then he did a he did one about, uh, what do you call it, car, didn't he, Christy? Uh, no, no, that was, um, he... Uh, that well, that was a, the the car one was was the the duel was which, which he did. Oh, oh. Uh, Christine was a Stephen oh, okay. King, uh, Stephen King one. So uh, okay. Spielberg, yeah, Spielberg got his start doing television, uh, directing TV right, shows. Right, right. Uh, so this was his first sort of TV movie. And then but, he made Jurassic Park. Yeah, and and the rest is history, prehistory. <laughs> oh yeah. There we go. All right. So this we're, is we're super hyped up on sugar, <laughs> or something. I don't know. Yeah. Whatever Joe Exotic this is taking. Fun. Yeah. This is yeah. awesome. And uh, even though, <laughs> even though you are not here, literally here, yeah. uh, this was good. I think this this little experiment in uh, quarantine podcasting has worked out very nicely. Um, yeah. I mean, we wanted to try it anyways. We were going to have guests on. It just turns out that I'm the guest. You're the, you're <laughs> the guest. That's just weird. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, so this yeah, was good. This was good. Been fun. Yeah, good times. And we hope everyone is staying safe and you're staying home listening to our podcast. Hopefully, uh, and if you are, we would love, love, love for you to give us a rating on iTunes. That, of course, is how we reach more people and how we can bring our antics and our cat sound clips. That's right. <sighs> oh, yeah. hey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There you go. We'll have to get that at that time, but that's how we bring in some more people. Um, you can also visit us on our Instagram page. We're at the Deep Dive Podcast. You can get all of our social links, of course, at the Deep uh, We also host a lot of our, or we have Podbean who hosts uh, a lot of our older episodes. Yep. So 
feel free to just binge it. If you Please. don't want to watch anything, start listening. Yeah. Binge it. You'll be, you'll be <laughs> sick of us in no time. It'll be great. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it was the good and I hope everyone's staying safe and, uh, yeah, we don't know what our future holds for, for our next episode. I'm not sure if we'll be a lot of out of our houses, but, uh, we'll find out when we find out. Absolutely. We will. And please, please, please stay with us. You know, we're going to be doing this for as long as, uh, humanly possible until, you know, until the sun burns out, but you know, not that I know any information or anything. Uh, so yes, for, uh, the Mandalorian and myself, my name is Tom Feeney. Please stay healthy. Stay home, wash your hands, use wipes, and we'll see you next time. See ya. You can find links to our Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram feeds on our website, thedeepdivepodcast.com. If you like us, please subscribe. All clips are intended for educational use only and not to infringe on existing copyrights. Our theme music was produced by Ryan Blaney and EchoCraft. Thanks for listening. Deep Dive Podcast is a production of Automaton Studios. Joe Exotic for the people of America. How's that?